Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Definitely recording. One sec. Uh, yeah, recording. Yeah, mate. When, when have I ever not? Just only, only I'd say once or twice a week. It's, so it's, it's it's not. It is probably unfair of me to to check. But yeah. um, no, no, it's not just, unfair of you, Dave. I'd say that's professional of you. <laughs> but bearing in mind we're not doing this for any money, that is amateur of you yes, by definition. Um, Necessary. It's got to be done. Yeah, it's got to be done. I mean, we're amateur, but in a sort of amateur rugby way. Really, still really fucking good. Sort of, you know, like Will Carling. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, or it's like, yeah, like, yeah, like, like cricket in the 90s and 80s, you know, like yeah. before it was proper properly on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think cricket was professional in the 80s and 90s, mate. I think rugby is, was the better analogy there. Sorry to, sorry to well, you know, win well, the first conversation. Well, this is interesting because... Uh, when did, yeah. I mean, there's our first uh, chrome <laughs> tab of the show. Dave, when did cricket go professional? That's incredible, isn't it? We were, I mean, I'd say probably a minute in and we're already having absolute A-grade fact bands. What have we got? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Welcome to the show! <laughs> it's interesting because it sort of brings me on to one of the things I would like to talk about today. Yeah. Um, and I can only vaguely backtrack this in my brain in terms of sort of like doing the back timing, but... I was on a Wikipedia hole yesterday based on something I was watching on right. um, on a little streaming service called Disney Plus, which I'll tell you about uh, in a minute. It's so how do you, you spell that? Dis- Disney Plus. And um, okay. I was watching something and I was looking, you know the thing where you do where you go on Wikipedia where you're to look at the actors and who are they? Oh, I sort of recognise them from a thing. Yeah, yeah. And one of the actors in this was the daughter of a former Surrey professional cricketer. And what struck Ooh. me as interesting... And this is why I can't remember the timeline. Is that you go to his Wikipedia and it was still that era where it said blah 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 uh, was a solicitor and professional cricketer. Oh, I see. Yeah, they. Well, in that case, you you're going way back into the mists of time. In that case, so, so, so how old is the actor? Well, who, who it's don't, the problem, don't, isn't it? What? I don't know. I don't know any of the answers to these sort of questions. Mm. So, so hang on. So, a Surrey cricketer from from when? Like the seventies? The are we talking Graham Thorpe? Because that's the only Surrey cricketer I can go to. No, 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 no. It was someone that I absolutely had never heard of. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. So I found it. Actually, this is it's first. It's it 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 was a long sort of deep dive. Mm. So I'll take you through the sequence. I was watching Tom the two thousand and five version of The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Oh, okay, right. Starring Tilda Swinton, James McAvoy, mm. Liam Neeson, all the good ones. Lots, yeah. of, lots, lots of good cast in that. Anyway. Yeah, so mo- a modern uh, adaptation, very sort of contemporary. Yeah. Good. yeah. Uh, well, it was, as in it was... 2005, mate, it's like two years ago, isn't it? So go on, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, so so the the girl that played Susan, you know, the, the, there's the four kids in The Lion, yeah. the Witch and the Wardrobe. Susan is the older of the now, two girls. Is yeah. she is she the asshole? Because one of them's an asshole, isn't that? No, right? no, in that's the, Edmund. The... Edmund is, oh, the, is the asshole. Don't say that. 
So, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah you got a kid called Edmund, haven't you? Name of my son. Yeah, no, Edmund's the absolute <laughs> arsehole, mate. Oh, um, but redemption story. He's good by the end. Oh right, okay, that's weird because my Edmund's a massive arsehole by the end of the day. <laughs> Lovely at the beginning of the day, but a complete dickhead by the end. Okay, all right, go on. Anyway, very brief sort of like quick sequence story. I was looking up the name of the girl that played Susan. She's called Anna Popplewell. She's a sister of a comedian that you might have come across called Lulu Popperwell, who was also an actor who incidentally played, if you remember the film Love Actually, Tom. Yes. She played the little girl that was the lobster in the in the, in the Christmas oh, Nativity. Yes. Yeah, okay, right, good. So All right. there's clearly a, a, a prestige in this family. And then their uncle, which is why I was not sure I'd gone that far back, is a man called Nigel Popplewell. Right whose first line of the Wikipedia says, Nigel Francis Mark Popplewell is an English solicitor and former first-class cricketer oh. who made over 200 appearances for Somerset. Sorry, I got the wrong Somerset. Oh, for God's sake. Uh, no in the was... 80s. In the 80s, right. So I enjoyed the film. Lovely times. It's very evocative of my childhood language, not because of this film, yeah. but because of the... Do you remember the BBC serial, the BBC television series, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe? This yeah. was massive in the sort of... It must have been the eight, late 80s, early 90s, I think. Do you remember yeah. it? Um, yeah, it's a proper Sunday afternoon sort of thing. Right. And I'm going to send you a photo now, Tom. And I'll tweet this photo at the time. 1988 it was. Bloody Nora. Mm. Um, absolutely wonderful. So, I mean, you, you all know the sort of story, don't you? They get to Narnia. Yeah. And crucially, they meet the beavers, right? The two beavers sort of guide them through Narnia, the kids. Mm-hmm. And um, in the 2005 version, very good CGI, real beavers that talk, you know, great, played by Ray Winston and Dawn French. Yeah, excellent casting. Yeah. In the 1988 version, Tom, the beavers were fully grown humans yeah. in giant beaver costumes and i cannot (laughs) emphasize the comedy of this enough so i will just send you the photograph now okay yes please i'm ready prepare yourself having already laughed once (laughs) wow how good are they those are amazing they They are huge they are cumbersome they are unwieldy aren't they yeah yeah i mean they look like boulders it looked like big hairy boulders right no absolutely oh that's wonderful so that's from the 80s version is it that's the 1988 version and here's the thing Mm -hmm. that my sister remembered uh reading about at the time and we spent most of the day on the internet trying to verify it and i'm pretty sure we verified it now as factually correct yeah is that these costumes were so big and, and unwieldy that the actors would regularly just lose balance and fall backwards. Oh god, like a, some like a like a toppled Teletubby. Yeah, and I, I, ironically, if they were beavers, the tail could just prop them up. Like that's literally what the beaver's tail does, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe. maybe I sort of imagine like a a parent watching their kids football or rugby match. They lean. Do you remember those little sticks you'd get where you'd sit on them and lean <laughs> yes, back exactly. with your barber on? Yeah, good. All right. Anyway, they couldn't get up. Um, when they fell backwards, it was the, the costumes were that impractical. So they had to, they had to beaver assign, down, beaver down. They had to assign. This is genuinely true. Two assistants slash runners, <gasps> no. whose sole job it was to prop the beavers oh, back you're, up you're f- every time they fell back. And do you know what their job title was, Tom? Please tell me they were called beaver props. The beaver retrievers. Beaver retrievers. <laughs> And I would love nothing more than for us to uh, connect with one of the beaver retrievers from the original Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe on the BBC 1988 series on this here podcast. If you or anyone you know in your life knows a beaver retriever, give us a call on... Cabin F-E-A-3709 Oh, 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 that's our Twitter name. 
Beaver retrievers. That's so delightful, go. Dave. Props to Sarah Cribb for digging that memory out from her sort I mean, of eight-year-old yeah. back-of-the-mind thing. You know? Huge thanks to your sister for basically working as a researcher on yes. our show. Yeah. Absolutely dreamy. Um, now, the other thing I wanted to talk about, Dave, before we bring out today's guest. Yeah. Before we bring out today's guest, Dave. What, what, bring up. Bring what? Well, yeah, depends. Uh, I was just hoping you could give us a bit of Parkinson. Before we bring uh. out... Before we, oh, uh, uh, before we bring out today's guest. Have you made a will? Um, so I <laughs> very you know, niche sort of. He did, though, didn't he? He did a load of life yes. insurance ads. Thank you. He just gave away uh, fountain pens, didn't he, for a number of years? He did. Just you sign up. I can't remember what the company was, but you would get a free fountain pen. Parker, I think, wasn't it? Free Parker pen. Yeah. Uh, um, anyway, so uh, so I decided earlier on. I uh, hopped onto Twitter, Dave. Uh, having, I was having a cup of tea. I just got back from a run, feeling quite smug, quite happy. And they were talking on the radio about Strictly. And I this idea popped into my head, which I thought was a rather nice idea, right? And the idea was that this year for Strictly, they should, instead of having tawdry, pointless, boring celebrities, right, we yep. should have uh, brilliant, funny, awesome members of the NHS or key workers. Wouldn't that be brilliant? What a way to celebrate them. And those people who maybe wanted to do it would come on and we would learn to celebrate them and maybe not make them celebrities, but spend 12 weeks with your kids watching going, oh, I like the doctor. He's really cool. And maybe I want to be a doctor when I grow up rather than I want to be a YouTuber when I grow up. Right. right sure. That, that was the intention. Okay. Kathy Burke replies to me. Weirdly, Kathy Burke follows me on Twitter, right? which yeah, is definitely not yeah. a name drop, although it is accidentally, but I don't know why she does. Anyway, she's very nice, but she rep- replies to me, haven't they already been through enough? <laughs> I was like, yeah, fair point, fair point. So I reply going, yeah, it's true, fine. Maybe we should just pay them properly. Uh, maybe we should pay them like they're celebrities and then they don't have to do strictly. Maybe that's what we'll do, right? That was the thing. The fucking hatred that I have got on Twitter for saying this. Oh, really? How about abolishing celebrities altogether and making society more equal? I'm sure a spa weekend to rest and recharge would be far more appreciated than a respectable salary. Hmm. Okay. I'm sure someone who spent months helplessly watching people die wants to be criticised by Craig Revel Hallward for misstepping a foxtrot. It's like, guys, I was just... I wanted to... Nah, pay them proper age and fund the NHS, mate. Hmm. Tricky, isn't it? There's a lot of people that have really gone for me. You had a bit, I'm just reading through the replies now. You yeah, had a some, bit of a mayor there, haven't you? Some people have been nice. What a brilliant idea. Thank you, Joan. We like you, Joan. Um, if this whole situation ended the culture of turning nobodies into celebrities for good, that would be one hell of a positive outcome. Oh, actually, that's quite pro me. Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. <laughs> sorry, sorry for giving that's you the... Gave you up your point in your stupid <laughs> mocking voice. Gave you the voice of an arsehole there. But, like, guys, I really... I, I was just trying to be... Uh, how about we just fucking pay them and not treat them like they're subhuman? Yeah. Yes, Tom, what you've failed to understand is that by, by tweeting your uh, little idea about Strictly... You have also uh, implied heavily that you think NHS workers should not be paid and should work yeah. 24 hours a day forever. And also, the, I, uh, the, the key here is that people seem to be thinking that I'm forcing them to do strictly. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? People like, haven't they been... Like sort of national service. Yeah. Like, oh, right, come on. Uh, you know, you've all been brave and heroic this year. You've done it's well, but terrible before year. you go home, you must do Strictly. Yeah, if you could just nip by to Elstree and do a do a foxtrot. Come on, it was Tom's idea on a tweet. He's the asshole. No, that's not what I'm suggesting. <laughs> what I'm suggesting, guys, I mean, do you want me to really go into detail here? Or do you just want a virtue signal and say how I'm being tawdry and flippant about the NHS? Because I don't think I am. I think I'm still saying they're amazing. And I'm still obviously saying that... The, the, we, we love them and we thank them and that yeah I know celebrities are tawdry but the point is what I'm saying is if we put people of value on on Strictly 
then we changed the definition of celebrity. Fucking hell, guys. Uh, the problem here is, Tom, that they've absolutely pinned you, but for the wrong reasons. I'm happy I mean, to be pinned. You are an arsehole, but I'm not because completely, of that tweet. <laughs> completely an arsehole. <laughs> However, there is Twitter good news as well. Would you like to hear the Twitter good news, Dave? Always. So the Twitter good news is not good news for you, I'm sorry to say. Oh. Uh, this is because... Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, I think part of this deal, part of the agreement, is that you have to write a theme tune for it. It has been pinging. It's been, that bloody Twitter account's been going off with bloody tweets about this. Right, right. So this is because we have an ongoing discussion on this show to release the brown note to the general public. This is a podcast we have um, on ice at the moment where people come on for under 10 minutes and tell a story about time a time when they have shit themselves. Now, I said if we got to 10 tweets about this, then we would uh, release the uh, podcast. Dave. I know we've passed it. You don't, <laughs> have to, you don't have to draw out the tension. There's been about 50 in the last hour alone. Yeah, we've just keep pinging on. <laughs> People are more, I think people are honestly more invested in my misery than they are in your podcast, if I'm perfectly honest. But. Hello to Stevie Fish, hello to Bella. Uh, a big hello to Pablo's Vault of Horror, who has actually made the image for us. I don't know if you've seen that there, Dave. Yeah, I've seen it. Love it's to hear the on the toilet. It's a picture of me wearing a high-vis jacket, playing a violin, sitting on the bog, which is yeah. absolutely... It's disturbing s- on every level. How he knows my brown note story, I, I don't know, but there you are. I, I do like to... Uh, <laughs> How I got into your bathroom is confusing as yeah. well. Also, if it was the brown note, it would be a bass, mate. It would be a double bass because it's got a much deeper, richer sound. You wouldn't be able to get a brown note out of a violin. You'd never... That's what we're calling this episode. You can't get a brown note out of a violin. Um, no. I actually once... I forgot to say this, Tom, and this yeah. is not a story that I will tell on the brown note because yeah. I, will, I, will, I will refuse to ever come on it, and it's not about me, but I once played a show in Edinburgh in uh, a venue called the Udderbelly, which is a big upside-down purple cow, um, yeah. if, you, if you know Edinburgh. Uh, which has a big old speaker system. Right. Yeah. And I was doing Ooh, a big yeah. live music show. Oh, you can get a rumble in the jungle if you get that one, right? Uh, yes. And and at some point during the hour, we mm. later found out, uh, we we must have triggered the frequency of the <laughs> mythical brown note because the poor, poor venue staff told us the story in the bar about three hours later. Where have you, where, where have you guys been? You're usually here for a pint by now. Oh, yeah, we've been clearing up row, uh, row G's uh, pile of feces on the chair uh yeah so uh i have uh, yeah somebody has shot wow. themselves in one of my shows wow and uh i felt dreadful about it but you know there's no accounting for the brown note that's what you say tom that's that what they're saying guys that is absolutely glorious so i'm very happy to announce uh that the uh the brown note we will be we will be dropping uh we'll be dropping the brown note uh probably on tomorrow's episode i reckon we'll, we'll drop our first one you excited about that dave I'm resigned to it, yes, I suppose. Good. Here's your theme. Hang on, did I just hear you before I played that saying, here's your theme? Can you can you do a theme tune, please? The Brown Note. Um, talking of my family acting as researchers for this podcast, Tom, actually, mm. and this, is, this ties it... Do you know what, Tom? This brings together the two things we've just been talking about, people tweeting us. And amateur and, cricket. Uh, amateur cricket, <laughs> and my family acting as a researchers because uh, my dad phoned me yesterday. Oh, Papa uh, Crib. out of the blue in the yeah. middle of nowhere. A little call from Mike Crib, and I thought, mm. oh, yeah. When my dad phones me, there's usually a, a, a sort of vague semblance of importance or you know something to talk about. Yeah. Anyway, he just wanted to tell me about this thing, which I'm now going to tell you about. We've also had a couple of tweets uh, about it, and I'm just scrolling through, and I can't find it anyway. But somebody also tweeted later that night as well. Uh, by the time I'd gone back. But you remember what we were talking about yesterday? 
<clears throat> in yesterday's podcast, the 90s television show Mano Man. Mano Man, yep. Big chat about Mano Man. Yep. Some would say too much chat about Mano Man, but here we are uh, reprising it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> my my dear father was watching uh, Richard Osman's House of Games, but last night mm-hmm. on BBC Two, mm-hmm. uh, the very day we were talking about Mano Man, and uh, I've prepared a little clip for you here, Tom. Here's your next one. Ghanaian appointed Secretary General of the UN in 1997 and 90s male beauty pageant game show. Now, these are rhyming answers. <laughs> yes, Kofi Katie. Anna, man, oh man. <laughs> is the right answer, <laughs> Katie. <laughs> well done for creating man, oh man <laughs> out of your memory. Well, I have to say, my friend won it. That's the no answer. Way. Yes. Wow. What? Wow. For real. Didn't get pushed in the pool. Yeah, he did get pushed in the pool. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> Even and, la- and later became Secretary General of the UN. <laughs> he brought that right back holy how, that's amazing that we've now got a rhyming slang for man oh man so you can yes. say uh what you've been watching on the box are oh, i have been binging on kofi annan all weekend yeah. so <laughs> not only did they discuss man oh man on let's face it a pre-recorded game show but still the scheduling is is coincidental at best yeah on the day we talked about man oh man but katie derham's friend one man oh man well we need to find that friend dave okay so put a call for people that know katie derham and then we'll try and get in touch with a, cha- a man oh man champion a man oh champion man uh, but- <laughs> can't face those twitter notifications forgot to watch anything but netflix dreading the video conference small talk at nine you need a news vitamin you know you need the smart seven It's a brand new daily podcast that puts your brain into gear. Everything you need to know in less than seven minutes. You need the smarts? Hey, we got the smarts. The Smart 7, every weekday at 7am. Available right now on Spotify and all the usual places. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Uh, guest time now, Dave. Are you excited about this? You must be Always. thrilled. Um, this is one of the best bookings we've done so far. I mean, I know we've got Janie Godley coming on the show tomorrow. That's amazing. Uh, David Mitchell was in our first episode. We've had Sarah Morgan. We've had uh, Helen Monks. Amazing people, right? They come on the show, don't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Please welcome today's booking, my wife. <laughs> well, I'm just glad, Tom, that you finally pulled your finger out of your ass because I've had Cornelius, my flatmate, on mm. every week so far. Yeah, this is true. And actually. it's taken you this long to rifle through your house to find a guest. Finally. Hi, Beth Mori, the <laughs> Sunday Times best-selling author and so i feel like we've really undersold you there <laughs> yeah Be- being being uh, pitched as my wife is the biggest possible undersell for any soul on this planet so yeah apologies uh so i mean should we do some sort of pre-bit chat 
Beth. It's a bit weird, really. To be honest, I just find it really uncomfortable to be so close to you yeah. next to this microphone. We are, we're Can sharing. you explain the situation? Are you sharing yeah. a single microphone? Mm. Yeah, she's right. We haven't been as close in weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Years. We are. We don't sleep together anymore. And we have separate rooms, and uh, we talk through the dog to each other. Um, so this I'm is surprised the dog hasn't been on this podcast. <laughs> well, yes, so am I. Actually. I could make that booking. Actually, I'll have a word with her. See if she's available. She'd be a really good guest. Actually, no pressure. Um, um, Beth, how's your lockdown been, please? I'm loving it. That combination of low-level alcoholism with rummaging round the larder, working out what I can make for dinner, that's my jam, it turns out. <laughs> jam. Yeah, yeah. Jam is what we have for dinner. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> Every night. Yeah. I, I was saying this to someone yesterday. I'm re- I think I've really settled into it now. I'm just I'm going to find it incredibly hard to motivate myself to go anywhere after lockdown to do... Yeah. I feel like I'm just managing most of my life from my house. This is... Thrilling. Exactly. This is what happened. Uh, so I, for a second, I had a flash forward to what it'll be like when we are released, and I was a bit disappointed. I, thought, I don't oh. want to see anyone or touch anyone. No, or interact exactly. socially in a normal way. Yeah, that's the woman I married, guys. <laughs> so that that was the sort of that on our first date. She went, okay, listen, if we're gonna if we're gonna start going out, I don't want to I don't want to interact with you, I don't want to touch you, but I will make you jam for dinner. So you know. I think we've got an opportunity now, Beth, if I'm honest, too, because Tom's been telling us about lockdown from his perspective for the last three and a half weeks on this podcast, uh, in which I'd say Tom is often the protagonist and the and the hero of the story. Can you sort of give the other side of that story? Yes, I'm familiar with him making himself the hero of the story. <laughs> Absolute horse cock. Um, <laughs> I think I did see him unload the dishwasher once. Thank oh, you. Really? I don't That's know impressive. if I was drunk at the time, though. Maybe <laughs> I had it's to. Hard to remember. I had to because you were lying in your own sick, so I had to do it. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, let's not go down the gender stereotype, the man doesn't do anything bullshit story, because actually I have done a lot of stuff. As we know, I inflated a paddling pool. I don't no, know, you Beth, didn't. Beth, I, I, as, I, as I recall, even from yeah. your perspective, Beth yeah, uh, solved the problem of the paddling pool. While sort of, hang on, hang on yes. here's something I did. I booked a guest for cabin fever. <laughs> yes. I'm, so I'm take we, that off your list. Yeah, exactly. We share the labour in this house. It's a very important part of our marriage. It's what leads to a happy marriage, guys. We're having a no, this is going really well. We're enjoying it, aren't we? Did you hear how whiny I went then? Yeah, it's enjoyable. We're, I mean, we're watching Save Me, so that's good. What's Save Me? Oh, mate. Oh, it's great. What is it? Sky drama. It's amazing. Okay. Lenny okay. James playing a dad who's looking for his lost daughter. It's very dark, <sighs> but it's fantastic. Okay. My God, the scripting and the performances. But we're not here to talk about TV, Dave. Beth oh, no, but we are. Because, no, because hang on, this is this also, I know we're not here to talk about TV. And we're, we, but, you know, diversions uh, as we always go on on this podcast. Um, did you, because Beth, you've, are you still doing your blog about television you're watching in lockdown Beth I just uploaded one hello oh, here comes the plug one. Where, one, where might one find the latest blog you can find it on my website bethmurray.co.uk forward slash capital B blog mm. capital B blog um, it's it's very good I read it every time it comes out but have oh, you thank you so far either of you this is a sort of a timeline confusing for people listening to the podcast because it was last night it was on but obviously that's two nights ago in podcast land uh did you watch quiz oh no it's next on my list oh my god everyone says it's amazing oh my god i love it so much is it good oh yeah i'm just i'm annoyed that i've watched it at the time it was on because i got to the end of it and then I couldn't watch the next one. You know, do you remember how television used to work? Yeah. Oh, is it yeah. only on, is it at once a week or is it every night? No, it's every it's three nights in a row. So the next one's tonight. Oh, but so we've still got to watch it tonight. Long. Yeah. And I can write about it. But if you haven't watched Quiz yet, yeah, if, you, if you're listening and you don't know what Quiz is, it's the story of the uh, of Major Charles Ingram, the cough, the coughing who wants to be a millionaire winner. A coughing uh, show in a pandemic. Yeah, quite yes. risky. <laughs> yeah, it's quite risky. 
it has this probably will be one of the biggest television shows of the whole lockdown and this is yes yeah, just just about how how coughing changes the world isn't it yeah mm. i mean um, the biggest but, character in the show is a cough that is it's just so brilliantly done yeah it's really well done uh, uh, so it's good is it matthew mcfadden is just the i love him and obviously matthew McFadden michael sheen Ingram. sheen as tarrant oh my days uh sean clifford uh who uh if you Fleabag. don't know yeah, Fle- Fleabag's sister oh, yeah. uh, plays uh, Charles Ingram's wife. Uh, and if you go and do a side-by-side of the of their faces, it's yeah. incredible. Oh, wow. Casting. The best, I'd say it's the best bit of casting of the whole thing. Oh, wow. Okay. In a show full of good casting. Okay, good. So it's worth watching then. Fair to say, Dave. Thanks for the recommendation. There you go, everyone. I'll get on that. You watch Save Me and, uh, and we'll watch Quiz. Also, there's a thing called Tiger King. I don't know if you've heard about that. Oh, yeah. Doesn't it, doesn't it feel like decades ago that we were all talking about Tiger King? How <laughs> oh, quickly... God. But there is now, I've not watched it yet, there's a Tiger King um, post-match yeah, retrospective with Joel McHale on it, so that's 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 next to the old list. Mm. But we're not here to talk about TV, are we? We're here to talk about books. Yeah, so Beth Murray's going to do a book thing. Over to you, Beth Murray. Tell us what we're going to do now, please. Okay, so in these times of trouble, um, we're many, many of us turning to books for entertainment and comfort, as well as drink. Um, <laughs> often we pick, you know, a classic, um, a well-known novel, something that we've read before or something that we always meant to read. Yeah. Um, so now's the time to pick up Pride and Prejudice or to have another go at War and Peace. Actually, I think it's never time to have another go at War and Peace. No, fuck that shit. I've um, tried it. It's really dull. But you might discover the joys of P.G. Woodhouse or dig out a Jilly Cooper. But at the same time, you should be reading new books because now the bookshops are closed, nobody has a chance to go in and browse and discover new authors. So it's really important to try something new. So um, I've decided that I'm going to pick two books. One is uh, a well-loved book, uh, a classic or a bestseller. Um, and another one is a book by a new author. And I'm going to pick a page number. It will be an early page number to avoid spoilers. And I'm going to read the same page of each of the books so oh. we can compare them. Oh, that's good. And it's called On the that Same is... Page. Oh, oh good. Fuck. Can you tell, speak to Cornelius, Dave? Yeah. And just let him know. When he comes on, he goes, I'll just go through an episode of The Bill. Where's the formatting, mate? Yeah? If BBC Two is listening, I'm available. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Beth, just out, of, just out of interest, where does your sort of interest in uh, promoting new authors lie? <laughs> Where's that come from? Well, as the <laughs> author of a best-selling novel myself. <laughs> What's the book called? Come on, you've got to plug the name. Saving Missy, Saving. out now. Uh, my mum loved it. There you go, there's my feedback. Oh, oh good. Oh, what nice. did you think, Dave? Uh, I did look at what page I was up to before I came, and I immediately <laughs> forgot it. No, it's on my Kindle, Beth. No, he's reading Tom it. Will, Tom will verify oh, that pleasantly I... pleasantly surprised. Yeah, but that's because I told Kindle. him that Jack Reacher comes in at the end. That's why he's reading it, because <laughs> me and Dave oh God, are fucking... God, that would make obs- it so much better. We are obsessed with Jack Reacher, me and Dave. I've, I have no reason not to read it, Beth. I've genuinely, this isn't me just uh, being nasty on the podcast. I've heard nothing but excellent things about it from everyone that's read it. But Apart I'm nobly not choosing my book for this, even though I could have done. No, that, that would be, yeah, that would be yeah, wanky if you chose your own book, yeah. Saving Missy. Oh, no. Okay, all right, go on then. So, uh, this week I've t- chosen two books with a London theme. And the first you've probably heard of, it's About a Boy by Nick Hornby. Um, and the second is debut out this year by a new writer, and it's called This Lovely City, and it's by Louise Hare. Okay. So we're going to look at About a Boy first. It was published in 1998. Hugely successful coming-of-age novel set in London. Watch how depressing this is. Dave, how old were you in 1998? Oh, God. 1998, the year I started secondary school. Uh, It's about... That's awful. All right. Okay. Um, So uh, let's look at About a Boy first. Right. it's coming age novel set in London and it became a film starring Hugh Grant mm-hmm. and this is a blurb 
Will is 36 but acts like a teenager, single, child-free and still feeling cool, Dave. He reads the <laughs> right magazine, <laughs> goes to the right clubs and knows which trainers to wear. He's also discovered a great way to score with women at single parents groups full of available and grateful mothers all waiting for Mr Nice Guy. That's where he meets Marcus, the oldest 12-year-old in the world. Marcus is a bit strange. He listens to Joni Mitchell and Mozart. He looks after his mum and he's never even owned a pair of trainers. Perhaps if Will can teach Marcus how to be a kid, Marcus can help Will grow up and they can both start to act their age. Can I just say something? Marcus, yeah. Marcus in the film of this, was play- well, this, this is his breakthrough role, isn't it? For Nicholas Holt. Nicholas Holt, Holt. Yeah. 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 He was okay. good as well. He was amazing. Great film of the book. Yeah. It's a banging film, that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I really enjoy it. Um, so obviously it's a bestseller everyone loves it Um, and then This Lovely City by Louise Hare published in March this year also set in London but this time just after the Second World War Um, and it's part period piece part murder mystery and part love story Uh, and this is the blurb With the Blitz over and London reeling from war, jazz musician Laurie Matthews has answered England's call for help. Fresh off the Empire Windrush, she's taken into a tiny room in South London lodgings and has fallen in love with the girl next door. Touring Soho's music halls by night, pacing the streets as a postman each morning, Laurie has poured his heart into his new home and it's alive with possibility until one morning, crossing a misty common, he makes a terrible discovery that threatens to tear his world apart. Yes, please. I didn't realise there was murder in this. You see, it's this is what I'm, Beth, you know, like, I'm saving Missy. Well done, you've done really well. There's not enough murders in it. If you stick a murder in the book... Hang on, no spoilers. I've not finished you know. it yet. Um, and it was Heat's Read of the Week, and they said it was heartwarming and heartbreaking, and the Observer said it was poignant and authentic. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at them on the same page. Hello. It's the name of the feature, Dave. Yeah, got it. Um, and I've chosen page 36, um, not quite randomly, because in About a Boy, Will is 36. Will is 36. Oh, oh, very good. Lovely. Uh, on page 36 of About a Boy, um, Will's just do- joined a single parent support group called Single Parents Alone Together. Although he doesn't have a child, he just wants to meet women. There were endless ingenious variations on the same theme. Men who took one look at their child and went. Men who took one look at their new colleague and went. Men who went for the hell of it. Immediately, Will understood Moira's sanctification of Lorena Bobbitt completely. By the time Susie had finished her litany of treachery and deceit, he wanted to cut off his own penis with a kitchen knife. (laughs) Aren't there any other men who come to spat, he asked Susie. Just one, Jeremy. He's on holiday. So women do leave sometimes. Jeremy's wife was killed in a car crash. Oh, oh well. Will was becoming so depressed about his sex that he decided to redress the balance. So, I'm on my own, he said in what he hoped was a mysteriously wistful tone. I'm sorry, said Susie. I haven't asked you anything about yourself. Oh, it doesn't matter. Did you get dumped then? Well, I suppose I did, yes. He gave her a sad, stoical smile. Does your ex see Ned? Sometimes she's really not that bothered. He was beginning to feel better. It was good to be the bearer of bad news about women. True, this bad news was entirely fictitious, but there was, he thought, an emotional truth here somewhere, and he could see now that his role-playing had a previously unsuspected artistic element to it. He was acting, yes, but in the noblest, most profound sense of the word. He wasn't a fraud. He was Robert De Niro. Nice. Okay. Oh, so do, you know what, do you know what's added the tension to that as well? I really yeah. enjoyed that, but I can hear our kids stomping up the stairs, coming to see where we are. <laughs> so well, my question was going to be, who, what are the kids doing? Yeah, well, right now we just we just open the front door, kick them, and let them go and see what happens. <laughs> Boys, come here. 
Watch, watch this. Guys, you're about to see some live parenting. Oh, don't there interrupt my Boys, No, because they're about to come in. Boys, are you okay? Yeah. Okay, uh, you can go and put the TV on and you can watch Kids YouTube if you like. <laughs> can I put on the switch? And you can put the switch on, yes. Lockdown parenting, done. <laughs> Genuinely, what were they doing before then? So All right, so that was that was a bit of Nick Hornby, and now we're going for a bit of a bit of Louise Hare, page 36. Right, so page 36 yeah. of this lovely city, okay. and uh, Laurie, the main character, has made a really grim discovery in a park pond, and he's been taken in for questioning by the police, and he's on his way home. The sky was clouded over in a reddish-brown smog, not a star in sight to wish upon, but he closed his eyes and prayed. He wanted to go home. That was it, a simple statement that he denied for so long because home, as he had known it, no longer existed. He regained control and wiped his face, dampening the corner of his handkerchief with spit, just as his mother had done when he was a little boy, hoping that evidence of his weakness would not be apparent to anyone when he got home. It was late and he made his way carefully, keeping to the warren of alleyways before going in through the back gate of Mrs Ryan's house. "'Where on earth you been, love?' his landlady called from the kitchen, opening the back door for him. I left a plate in the oven for you if you want it. You must be starving. Spam fritters and spuds. Long story. He propped the useless bicycle up against the wall and left his boots outside by the door. He rested his forehead on the cold bricks of the outside wall until he felt composed, then went in. The meal was coming to an end, Arthur and Derek sitting there with plates that were empty but for the grease stains. Arthur was caught up in the full flow of conversation and Laurie was grateful to sink past them all without attracting any attention. He hung his coat up in the hall and took his time about returning to the warm kitchen. "'I tell you quite honestly, Mrs Ryan,' Arthur was saying as he entered, "'I ain't never been so insulted, not in all my life.'" Oh, yeah. Okay. This, isn't it? this is it's, honestly the most highbrow thing we've done on this podcast. It's really I mean, highbrow, isn't it? the bar was not high, Dave. No, Beth could have come. Beth could have come on and talked about her favourite toilet roll, and would have been higher. Do you know what I mean? That's the brown note, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> um, uh, so uh, two page thirty six is there. Enjoyed those reminders yeah. of both uh, the book title. We know about a boy by so Nick Hornby. This lovely can... city by Louise Hare, which go. is part murder mystery, part period piece, part love story, hmm. and about a boy by Nick Hornby, coming of age novel. Can I just say, interesting that you've uh, chosen uh, two books there. You've come on the podcast hosted by two uh, men, and you've chosen two books with two slightly glum men featuring on page 36. Is there was there a reason for that? Um, no, but one of them was written by a woman. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, uh, of course. I'm just saying that it's interesting that in both those stories, both those moments, the men are slightly sort of dismayed and sad. And you've directly compared me to Will in About a Boy, actually, haven't you? So that leads <laughs> top. That leads Parallels are there. there. Yeah. That leaves you with the Unavoidable. other one. I'm in a so, sort of um, post-war murder scene. That's a lot more murder in your life. Yeah, yeah. Um, there will happen. be by the end of lockdown if the Nintendo breaks, let me tell you. <laughs> um, uh, great, great. So there you go. You've got two books there about a boy. I know, I don't know what the conclusion to this is. I no, mean, I okay. could say, oh, one is better than the other, but I don't like to do that. No. So, you know. No. Just let us know if you've read one or you've read both. Yeah, yeah. And I, hopefully our listeners will be enticed by one or t'other. And maybe they'll go back and find that comfort of uh, Nick Hornby. Because he is, Nick, Nick Hornby's got that comfort read thing going on. It's, it is relatively easy to read. I know not authors like it when you say something they've written is easy to read, but it's great. It is very easy reading. Or maybe they'll just be so madly entertained by me that everyone will go out and buy my book and I'll become a mm. raging bestseller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the Bible. That is very so is that the conclusion of every episode of this feature? <laughs> <laughs> it is. You enjoyed now. both those books. Go and buy Saving Missy by Beth Mori. <laughs> Thank you so much, Beth. What an absolute treat that was. 
so thank you very much indeed to uh, Beth Murray, who is a brilliant author, of course, Saving Missy. She's also, can I just say, Dave, Macy is appropriate. She's e- excellent wife, wonderful mother of my children as well. Really huge mm. fan of what she's doing there. Also, she does a great podcast, uh, which we make here at Great Big Al, called One Torn Every Minute. And that's when she interviews people, uh, I say people, women, uh, who've given birth to children. And she talks about the pro- the the experience of giving birth. It's amazing. It's funny. And uh, I it's can't... It's funny and harrowing, isn't it? It's funny and harrowing. Yeah, it's yeah. a farrowing. Um, we'll play a little clip of it after today's episode of Cabin Fever. In fact, we'll stick that on at the end. Yeah, it'd be nice, won't it? All right, Dave. Um, I, mean, I think we're, you know, is there any, any other business? AOB, before we move on with no, our lives? NAOB. NAOB. Um, thanks very much for listening. And thanks for all your kind comments online. Could we do the thing where we ask people to write nice comments on... Uh, nice reviews of the podcast or is that not done anymore is that oh bit- yeah yeah no absolutely do that yeah if you like the podcast please go on your podcast apps your itunes is itunes is the main one because that's how all the algorithms work or something something blah 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 yeah and rate it five stars and put a nice review and all that sort of stuff because no. then other humans will enjoy it yeah yeah that'd be really nice all right dave bye cabin that's our twitter name so we're in the labour ward. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going hell for leather. Yeah, very much so. And have, has anyone checked how far you're dilated? Because that's always um, a jolly good laugh, isn't it? God, yeah, they had done. And basically, I dilated five centimetres that's not bad in that 20 minutes oh my god yes that is bad that is really bad oh and then and then it stopped and basically it didn't move again oh yeah Yeah. the pause the big pause (laughs) as the joke goes (laughs) Um, a pinterish pause in labour yeah Um, but I was still I was still very much having the contractions and I in my head I, I really remember in my head saying to Dan well, I remember saying to Dan, oh, God, I'm not saying this right. In my head, I was saying, could you go and see if the anaesthetist is free? And what I was actually saying out loud was, help me, help me. And I can still picture Dan's terrified face. Oh. Of, of just this, you know, because his beloved is just screaming, help me, in his face. And he can't do over anything. And, over again. and he can't really. He did get up occasionally and go and... Look for the anaesthetist. We had some gas and air. I left teeth marks in the gas and air. (laughs) (laughs) I remember Dan trying to take it off me because he'd been told to, and me going, (laughs) (laughs) It's actually quite hard to use gas and air. I think you have to be taught. Mm. And then there's this moment where you get it right and you think, bloody hell, this is marvellous. Done it, yeah. And this is going to see me through. And then about two hours later you go, this is fucking (laughs) shit. Exactly. (laughs) Like the yoga breathing, like the tens machine. There's just a limit to all of these things. Yeah. And I was given diamorphine, um, Uh, which put me to sleep between contractions which just wasn't very helpful. Like, I would oh, wake no, I'd up quite like for a the... sleep. Yeah. You know, you can be in labour for so long and then not have yeah, you're during right. that time. You're right. Diamorphine, because I, I got doing... pethidin, which we... <gasps> oh, well, that was banned. Not banned, but um, stopped in our hospital. Why? Because it made so many people sick. Oh, yeah, it did make me sick. There you go. But then I heard in a previous interview that pethidin is heroin, which I didn't know. Oh, no, diamorphine's heroin. Oh, right. Is it all heroin? It's all <laughs> it's basically heroin. all drugs. Heroin. And in so different doses. We were debating the fact that, you know, we'd taken this 
hard drug. And mm. it felt mm. sad that we hadn't really enjoyed it. Enjoyed no, it next. not at all. But apparently you can, only, you can only enjoy it if you're coming from a standing start where you're kind of normal. Yeah. And if you're in great pain, all it does, what it's supposed to do is... Yeah, ease that a bit. Yeah, I don't remember yeah, it, it gave, doing It that. gave me hallucinations. I had real... Um, oh, really? Yeah, sort of, you know, the old school uh, Indian restaurants that have that um, sort of furry wallpaper... Yeah, yeah, I had that. <laughs> I had a loose hallucination wow. of that for a really quite a long time. <laughs> it's not, really not weird. helpful, is it? No, not great. For <laughs> I mean, it is a safe place uh, for me, an Indian restaurant. I <laughs> Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company. They offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 